Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey folks, this is Kevin. This is a special episode of Risk because yesterday, May 2nd, the Supreme Court, well, there was a leaked document of their argument for overturning Roe v. Wade. And Alito even went on in the argument to point out that from there, the court intends to overturn prior decisions to legalize gay marriage and to legalize gay sex. But in truth, there are a whole bunch of other rights that come from that idea that Americans have a right to privacy. And so this moment that we've been warning about for years has come where this court is going to start stripping us of all kinds of our civil rights. Saudi Arabia has more abortion rights than there are in Alito's plan. But I should stress the word plan, because unforeseen things could happen, and the resistance from we the people could be a very consequential factor. Now, there's someone on Twitter named Helm Sinki, H-E-L-M-S-I-N-K-I, who has put together a document called Abortion Funds in Every State, because it can be especially helpful if you want to donate to local, on-the-ground, grassroots organizations, especially in states that are in the most precarious position right now. 
Now, we'll put the link to this document everywhere we can. I have a link tree at the Kevin Allison on my Twitter and my Instagram. I think we have a link tree on some of our socials for risk. But like I said, you can also just look up that person on Twitter, Helm Sinky, or find the link to the document in the show notes. So we're going to feature two stories on today's episode. The first is by Jen Montooth. This was shared on a live stream during the lockdown of 2020. And we'll also hear a story from Liz Winstead, a story she shared with Risk once in San Francisco a few years back. Liz is a comedian and the co-creator of The Daily Show, and she's an activist in her own right, so you should look her up at Liz Winstead on Twitter. That's L-I-Z-Z-W-I-N-S-T-E-A-D. <laughs> so without further ado, here is first Jen Montooth with a story we call Just a Normal Part of Life, and then Liz Winstead with a story we call All Knocked Up and No Place to Go. I am an adult. I am an adult. I am saying this to myself over and over as I'm looking down at my graduate school acceptance letter. I am on the right track, or at least I am on a track. Feels good to be on a track, so up on a board. <laughs> For the first time in so long, I finally will not have to be a barista where the steamed milk is constantly burning my hands Soon, I won't have to work three or four jobs in college just to pay for college. I am going to be a scholar, a historian, if you will. And then I'm going to get a job in my field. I'm going to have a field. And then I'm going to come home at the end of the day after working this cool job in my field, and I'm going to drink a glass of wine. That's right, out of a glass. <laughs> Not a plastic LeBron James cup with a hologram if I'm doing a slam dunk. <laughs> we'll have real cups in my house. For days, I am basking in this excitement and this wonder about what my future is going to look like and what adulthood is going to be like. I'm already 22, but adulthood just feels so wondrous. But in that excitement, I also notice that I am exhausted and I'm nauseous and my breasts are swollen. When is the last time I had my period? I can't remember. So that's a bad sign. And this is pre-tracking app. So I don't know. But it doesn't matter because I'm an adult. Remember, I'm basically a graduate student already. I'm just going to go to the grocery store and get a pregnancy test and get this done. And I go to the grocery store and I'm like, what the hell? I'm already here. Why don't I just go to the bathroom and get a negative on the test, go about my day. Maybe I'll hit up the thrift store afterwards. Who knows? <laughs> so I'm sitting in the Safeway bathroom and I pull out the pregnancy test and I pee on it because that's what you're supposed to do. And I'm looking down at this pink circle that's slowly filling up, and I see a horizontal line, negative. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Of course, I was not pregnant. I was just anxious and paranoid, and I'm just so relieved. But I look back down, and now I see a vertical line on top of the horizontal line, positive. Mm. Now, that is great for a GPA, but bad if you do not want to be pregnant. <laughs> and I was like, what? No, this isn't supposed to happen to me. I am supposed to be a student. I'm not supposed to be a mom. I'm not supposed to balance this all. I'm supposed to be 22. And how could this even happen to me? I hooked up with one person in a whole year. And look how it turned out. 
he was some random guy I met at a party and he wanted me to come over and watch Bad Boys 2 afterwards. Naive me, I thought that's what he wanted to do. I was pretty disappointed when that wasn't the case, but here we are. And I should say that I knew from that moment that I did not want to be pregnant, but this was still a time that no one was talking about abortions. I'd never met anyone that had had one. I mean, I didn't even really know what it entailed. So the unknown was very terrifying. And I just had to kind of sit in this bathroom and panic for a while. But for some reason, it is frowned upon to stay in a Safeway bathroom forever. So I had to leave, right? And the bathroom is all the way in the back of the store. And I have to kind of do this walk of shame across the grocery store. And with each step, all of this newly found maturity that I had gained since I got into graduate school and felt like an adult, it was dissipating by the second. So by the time I got to my car, I was just so desperate for reassurance from anyone that I was going to be okay because I really didn't know. So I made the rather bold decision to tell everyone I knew that I was pregnant in the span of a few hours, which even if you want to be pregnant is a horrible idea. <laughs> But I was just hoping that people would say, like, you're going to be fine. Just, like, do what's best for you. So I get home and I sit on the bathroom floor. The bathroom floor just seems like a safe space to give and share bad news right now. Why not? And I call my best friend and I tell her I'm pregnant. And she's like, what are you going to do? You know, I'm like against abortion, right? Mm -hmm. And I hang up because that's obviously not going to help me. Uh, that is not valuable input. And then I drive to my family's house and... I think that I'm just going to sit on their couch in the living room and maturely tell them that I'm pregnant and I'm going to figure it out. But instead, I'm just telling them between sobs. And they say, abortion? No, that doesn't sound like you. You should think about adoption. And they proceed to put their hands on my pregnant stomach, which is honestly the most nauseated I was the entire time I was pregnant. It's very <laughs> violating and uncomfortable. So eventually I drive home and I sit in the driveway and I decide to call a guy that got me pregnant. I don't know why, maybe to just kick myself while I was already down. But of course he freaked out and he proceeded to call me five minute intervals afterwards. And he was like, hey, uh, Tim again, just making sure you're getting that abortion. Just so you know, it's the only way I'm going to support you. He is a Prince Charming, and I think he's single ladies if you are interested. <laughs> I don't know why I'm not with him right now. <laughs> and my boss at the coffee shop was like, oh, my gosh, Jen, you're going to be a great mom. Just, like, work really hard and save up your money, which, first of all, ew, <laughs> no, thank you. Who wants to do that? Also, I thought about my situation at the time. You know, I was a barista, I was broke, and I was living with three male roommates who were not exactly frat guys, but they were definitely the type of guys that would like barge in a room on a Tuesday night and they'd be like, take a shot with us, you coward, like stop doing your homework. One of them could only fall asleep at night if he was sleeping on the couch in the living room, watching Mad Max at full volume, you know, that classic action movie. I could quote that whole movie to you, and it's not by choice. My bedroom was conveniently placed above the living room. But my housemate's reaction when I told them I was pregnant was to look at each other and go, House baby! <laughs> Which is, no. <laughs> That's not an option either. <laughs> so I thought that I would feel better by telling all these people that I was pregnant. 
but instead I never felt more alone in my life. It was a horrible decision because of course, none of these people were accepting of my choice. And in fact, none of them knew anyone that had had an abortion either. So I just felt more isolated. And the only way I got through it was each night I would sit in my car, I would either drive or just sit there and I would put in Simon and Garfunkel CD and I would just cry. And as sad as that sounds, it felt really good to cry because I was in shock and I just really wanted that emotion. And that CD is what I used when I was PMS and wanted to cry. So it was like I was training up for this moment my whole life. But there was this one particular lyric in Kathy's song where Paul Simon sings, the only truth I know is you. And that line always got me in between sobs. I was like, you're right, Paul Simon. I only know myself. And it was in that time that I just realized that I knew what I wanted to do. I was just really scared. But just because I was scared, it was still the right choice for me. And I just had to do it alone, as scared as I was. So I probably cried to Kathy's song a few more times, but eventually I took out the Simon and Garfunkel CD and I put in self-titled Genesis album and I went and got that abortion. <laughs> and, you know, as relieved as I was, it was also really hard for a while because I had to lie to a lot of people and tell them I had a miscarriage so that they wouldn't judge me. And the people that did know I had an abortion still made me feel a lot of guilt and shame for a long time. And I didn't know that I could feel any other way. So I was like, I have to feel shame and guilt because that's what they're telling me I should feel. Hmm. And that lasted about two years. But eventually I realized I didn't have to feel that way. And it kind of changed in one night for me, actually. I had a friend come into town and I just had a feeling that she would be accepting. So I asked her to go for a walk with me at nighttime, basically, so I didn't have to face her. I could just shout it into the night, like, I had an abortion. And she was like, oh, I had two a few years back. My boyfriend was an asshole. Mm. I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, you're fine. And finally, I was like, oh, my gosh, she's fine. I'm fine. We both made the decisions that were best for us. I don't have to feel guilty. In fact, I feel great. And it was so healing to have someone normalize this experience for me that it was just a normal part of life to make this decision. And I just really hope that by sharing my story, I can just normalize it for other people. Thank you. Good evening. In a landmark ruling, the Supreme Court today legalized abortions. The majority in cases from Texas and Georgia said that the decision to end a pregnancy during the first three months belongs to the woman and her doctor, not the government. Thus, the anti-abortion laws of 46 states were rendered unconstitutional. How many millions of children prior to their birth will never live to see the light of day because of the shocking action of the majority of the United States Supreme Court today. I think that uh, to uh, raise the dignity of woman and give her freedom of choice in this area is an extraordinary event. And I think that January 22nd, 1973 would be an historic day. fun. Um, so I got pregnant the first time I ever had sex. 
call it luck of the draw. Actually, call it luck of the withdraw, because really, that's what it was. Um, I was brought up in Minnesota, Catholic, thank you, um, and 16. And 16 is that weird age to lose your virginity because you're a know-it-all, but you don't know anything, and your hormones are raging, but you're not that smart, and you're Catholic, so you want to make sure that you're not having sex. <laughs> and then you're also just trying to mitigate your badness versus your goodness, right? And so it's constantly a negotiation when you're Catholic, and you're going to have sex. So I was like, okay... If I have sex and use birth control, I'll be committing two sins. So if I remove a sin, God won't be as mad at me. So because I'm smart and I'm 16, I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to fuck. I'll remove the birth control part because it'd be weird to be like, I'm just going to be on birth control and never have sex. That wouldn't be a good sin. So I decided I'm not going to use birth control. Because I just figured, I can't get pregnant. I don't want to be pregnant. I'm popular. <laughs> I have pom-poms in my room. I have a future. <laughs> so I have sex without birth control. Uh, and then I don't get my period. And I'm like, well, clearly that's God putting it off because I have things to do. <laughs> then I was like, I, I got to find out I'm not pregnant. And it was like 100 years ago. I'm fucking ancient. This was like before there was just pee on a stick and go about your business. It didn't exist. So I was like, shit, I have to go someplace and find out I'm not pregnant and I don't know what to do. But the first thing I have to do is talk to my boyfriend. And my boyfriend was exactly what you would assume a 16-year-old hockey player with a mullet would be like. So when I said, I think I'm pregnant, maybe, but probably not, he reacted the way a 16-year-old hockey player with a mullet would. He was like, weren't you on something? And I was like, I was on you. <laughs> Gravity, another thing. Um, and so he said, well, you're on your own because I'm not fucking in this. Yeah, so I'm 16, I'm Catholic, I am for sure think I'm probably not pregnant, but I feel sad and I feel freaked out and I feel like I don't know what I'm going to do because i got to find some place to find out if I'm pregnant. And I can't go to the doctor that I delivered me. <laughs> and then I just feel like shit, right? I feel like, shame that I had sex and I don't know what to do and I, I'm literally panicking and I get on the bus and I see an ad on the bus between the we treat feet ad and some carpet cleaner there it was free pregnancy tests choices options and I was like yes this is clearly a sign from God because I'm busy <laughs> 
And there's no phone number, there's only an address. So I have to go there. And it said, come anytime, walk-ins welcome. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go. It was called the Southside Life Care Center. I'm like, I'm in. So I take the bus to the Southside Life Care Center and it's spelled care with a K, should have been a sign. I walk in and up the steps and it's a, it looks like a house, right? It doesn't look like a doctor's office. It looks like a house, which I find warm at first. I'm like, oh, this is great. It's a house. I'm going to go in and I go. And it felt very comfortable. You know, there was like one of those red plaid couches from the 70s and a round coffee table with like literature on it. That, well, not literature, like books, like pamphlets about what a whore I am, but, you know. <laughs> then it felt like I looked around, you know, I like, oh, it had the, the thorn painting like we had at our house, you know, did you guys, I don't know if you brought up Catholic, but we had a picture and it was, you plug it in and it's a throbbing heart that bleeds. <laughs> and those praying hands that are bronze and mounted to plywood, you know, those hands that are like, like to help you. Can't. <laughs> and, and it went from feeling okay to feeling kind of weird. Like, I wish there was at least like one like human body anything anywhere. And then I just kind of got nervous. And, but I, I was going to wait and I saw a thing on the table that said, uh, go into the bathroom. Uh, and on the back of the, of the toilet will be a cup for you to pee in. Leave it there and somebody will be out to see you shortly. So I was like, okay, medical instructions. So I was trying to find the bathroom and uh, I couldn't identify it right away because it was hidden on the, on the door was the footprints poem. You know that poem where it was Jesus and, you know, I, there was two sets of footprints and then one because I was carrying you and... Uh, magic so I opened it and realized it's the bathroom and I peed and I left it there and I waited and waited and looked around and freaked out until the doctor appeared from the same door that I went to the bathroom I guess there was a door behind that door I don't know (laughs) but out came the doctor and it wasn't until I realized you know it wasn't a doctor. I mean, she was wearing a lab coat, but really anybody can, you know, the Lancome counter, they have a lab coat. So, um, but she walked out in the lab coat and she's carrying a big book and she sits me down and she says, I have the test back and they're positive. And I was like, yes, you know, thinking positive for me because I have things to do because I'm popular. Um, And she says, well, I'm glad you're happy because you're going to have a baby. And I was like, I can't. Oh, my God. I went there to talk about abortion, and I'm Catholic, so I want her to bring it up. So she's got a book. I'm assuming it's the abortion book. (laughs) And so she says, well, I've got this book. And I was like, yes. 
she opens it up and the first page is that mangled fetus picture that you see outside of every clinic that there's one mangled fetus picture that has been taken in the history of the world and every single one of them has it. So I look at the picture and I look at her and she says, this is the size of your baby now. And then she turns the book and there's literally a picture of a six-year-old kid on a bike. (laughs) And I'm like, is all of this from my pee? You got these pictures? (laughs) Like, I'm 16, but I'm not an idiot. (laughs) So... I just keep thinking about the sign that's on the bus that said choices, options, right? And so I said, so, so um, can we talk about my choices? And she said, oh, of course. Uh, your choices are you can carry the child to term and raise that baby. And clearly I'm not connecting with that one. <laughs> and she says, or you can carry the child to term and give it up for adoption. I'm like... (laughs) And she's not saying it, so I have to say it. And I was like, what about abortion? And she stared at me with these steely eyes, and she said, don't you know? Abortion's against our law. Okay, this is 1979. She said abortion's against our law. What do I hear? The law, right? So now I'm totally freaked out because I think that I'm asking her to commit murder with me. I'm feeling completely freaked out. I don't know what to do, but I feel really scared. And so I said, um, I, I think that I... I don't know what I want to do, so can you, um, can you give me time? Do I have time? She goes, you have all the time you need. And I said, I, okay, um, I, think I, I think I need time because my boyfriend isn't going out with me anymore and I'm just not ready to be a mother. And she says, those are things you should have thought about before. And I didn't think about them before. I was fucking 16. And I said, I, I got to go. Because all of a sudden, it became very clear that I wasn't going to get what I needed there. And I, and I was going to the door. And right as I put my hand on the door, she looked down at the clipboard I had filled out because she didn't remember my name. She goes, just remember, Liz, your choices are mommy or murder. I got outside and I leaned against the house and I was hyperventilating because I was completely freaked out. This creepy guy had dumped me. I was pregnant. I couldn't tell my parents. I was totally... F- I, didn't, I didn't know what the fuck to do. So I just got back on the bus and I look up and I see an ad on the bus that says, Abortion. <laughs> but I don't know if it's a trick. It could be a trick. Right? And so now I just feel gaslit. I I mean, like, I didn't go, I feel gaslit. I was 16. But, like, that was the emotion I was feeling. So I was like, I don't have a choice. I have to go to that abortion place, and I don't know if I'm going to get another fakey Macy's counter person again. (laughs) 
but I have to go. So they had a phone number. So I went to a pay phone, because I wasn't going to call from my parents' house. And um, I called, and I said, can I make an appointment for an abortion? <laughs> and they said, yes, you can. You have to come, when would you like to? And I was like, tomorrow? <laughs> and they're like, well, we don't know if you can have an abortion tomorrow because we don't know how far along you are, but you can make an appointment and come and talk to us. And I said, about abortion? <laughs> and they were like, yes, we perform abortions. And I was like, those are the words I needed to hear. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I, I went down to the place, and it was an independent abortion provider who are, uh, if you don't know a lot about how abortion care works, you probably know a lot about Planned Parenthood and very little about independent providers. Planned Parenthood is sort of like Whole Foods, <laughs> and your independent abortion provider, abortion provider is kind of like your, your local co-op. So I went to the local co-op, and I walk in, and I talk to a counselor, and the counselor says, tell me about your life. What do you want to do? What do you want to be? Do you want to be a mom? Have you ever thought about that? I was like, I've actually never wanted to be a mom. Hmm. So being pregnant probably isn't conducive to things that you think about for your future. And this person asked me a series of questions that could have gone either way. That could have told me, you know what? I think I want to have this kid. Or reaffirming what I needed for myself. And... It reaffirmed what I needed for myself. And I had my abortion, and the next day I danced in the uh, state high school dance line. Third, came in third. <laughs> yeah. um, because abortion, for me, was something I wanted and needed and wasn't a big deal. And sometimes it's not, right? In fact, I, I was going to say, I was wondering when I was telling the story, do I even talk about the fact that I had the abortion? Because it was not a big deal. And sometimes it's not, right? The process with which I needed to get an abortion and the hurdle I had to go through and ending up at that fake clinic was the part that was the really sort of horrible part that I had to get through. And I had my abortion, I went about my life, and 25 years later... All of these laws start happening all around the country. Like literally in 27 states, clinics are closing down. I'm somebody who throughout my career has called out hypocrisy, uh, been on the front lines of politics, didn't ever center this, walked away because I was privileged and I was lucky. And as I watched these clinics close down, I was like, I have to participate and do something about this because I got to have my life because I got to have a safe legal abortion. And so I called up Planned Parenthood um, and said, hey, um, I want to drive around the country in a van with my dogs and raise money for you. <laughs> and they were like, we should call the police. <laughs> oh, because that sounds bad. Um, and then we talked a little further and they go, okay, that sounds cool. And what started out as a six-week tour has ended up me going to over 200 clinics to... (laughs) 
not only to raise money, but to visit the workers. Because one thing I discovered is that when you work in abortion care, oftentimes people are abandoned. People have their procedures and they leave. People have to drive home a different way from work every single day because they provide abortion. They sometimes can't get someone to mow their lawn or to fix their fence or to do any roofing. So four years ago, I formed an organization called Lady Parts Justice League. And we... We're comics and actors and writers who drive around the country in a van <laughs> and do shows like this. And then afterwards, we actually do talkbacks with the providers in that community and the activists. And our audience, just like this, learns about what those clinics need. And then their activist base grows. And I was doing a show in upstate New York in a rural clinic. And the physician came up to me afterwards and he said, Liz, one of the reasons that I love that you do this is because I see 40 patients a day and 30 of those patients, from the time they find out they're pregnant till the time they get to me, no one has ever been kind to them. So for you to be here to show kindness to those patients when you're walking them inside and to show kindness to my staff and I because of the work we do, uh, we couldn't do it because of the stigma we felt. And I realized I was that person. When I, from the second I found out I was pregnant until I got to that independent clinic, no one had been kind to me. And that's why I do what I do, because I refuse to have any person who needs an abortion to ever feel like they're alone and that no one will ever be kind to them.